0: Good afternoon and welcome to episode seven of season two of the dollar dog Sunday sports podcast presented by tailgater sports media company. No bullshit takes with a bite. I'm your host Brian Pulaski along with me as always are my co-host cousin Joe and Glenn Coco Barnett boys first episode of fucking 2021 the shit fire dumpster fire whatever you want to call it year of 2020 is fucking in the books. Uh, We you know, got the uh, ability to start a podcast in 2020. I think that's probably the shining bright star of 2020's awfulness between COVID and the many lives we lost and everything we had to kind of go through to get professional sports. It's just, it's a good thing that we're in a new year. It's a new beginning. And uh, I'm just, I'm excited to start the show again. Um, season two is still going and eventually we'll be on season three and then shit can really start up. And uh, I want to talk to you guys a little bit because I, I you know, uh, I, like many families out there, I'm sure a lot of people um, can relate, but we uh, did not get together for the holidays. And I guess what I wanted to start off with was asking uh, what the fuck Santa brought for you because it was such a nice Christmas. I just wanted to know if you guys got anything uh, that you were really excited about. Joey, you look like you got something that you wanted to fucking get out of your system there. Well, there well,
1: there's two things, Bri. Uh One of them was actually from your family. I got a long sleeve orange Khalil Mack t shirt. I love it. Bare fucking Fantastic. down, baby. <laughs> Fantastic. These both both of these gifts I'm gonna say are sports gifts. And then the second one I got, uh, my brother Mark got me a t shirt. It says Robert, '88, because Louis Robert's gonna be a fucking stud. I don't care what
0: anybody says. I saw you flexing that one on Snapchat. I think it was Snapchat yeah. or Insta. No. Yeah, I saw that.
1: It was Instagram. Instagram.
0: Yeah. Very nice. Very nice, Glenny. Glenny, what did uh, what? Where? What, what? Good graces were you? Uh, were you blessed with this uh, this Christmas? Uh, other than uh, you know a kid on the fucking way, but.
2: You know. Well, I, I was other than these uh, nice turtle beaches that my beautiful girlfriend and uh, baby mama got me, uh, yeah, just uh, a baby on the way, got to be a father. That's uh, That was my gift, and a bunch of things to put together for the baby. I don't know if it's much of a gift as it is, you know, work to do, and fuck God, it's just going to be a hassle. <laughs> hey, but it's hey.
0: worth it. It's oh, worth yeah.
2: it. I can't wait. It's uh, going to sneak up on us uh, here uh, a lot sooner than we think, you know, already, week into uh 2021 and what a week it's already been and i'm just uh excited for what the future has and to become a father that's what i'm looking forward to to this 2021 uh year
0: so my christmas was fucking weird right so i I, don't get me wrong you know god bless my parents awesome people always get me something but i felt like there was a there was a uh, a tiktok going around and i don't watch tiktoks but I, i ended up seeing this one where the girl opens up a couple of pieces of, like, paper, and she finds, oh, it's something from The Mandalorian, and then she opens up again something else. It's like Baby Yoda, and she opens up something else. It's the same, like, Mandalorian shit. So my parents know that I watched The Office, and I must have gotten at least five or six items related to The Office, and that was my Christmas. I got this wonderful Dundee Award, I was very happy to receive, <laughs> and a very, uh, our new, I think it's going to be a drop-in for the show, but I have... Uh, that's what, what she said. said. But so that's something that I was very excited to get, and it's just been uh, a good start to the year. I, I think uh, I think this year is going to be the year. I think this is going to be a big year for everybody, and I think we're starting to move into the right direction. But we have a lot to fucking break down today. We've got uh, the Bears sneaking into the fucking playoffs. God knows how uh, going to take on Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints for. Um, A chance at redemption in a season which we've seen three teams. We all know those three teams being a team that can't move the ball, a team that can't stop an offense, and a team that puts it all together on a fucking Sunday and decides to beat somebody by 30. Hopefully we see the third team. I have no idea what we're going to see, but those are the three teams. And uh, I guess we're going to roll the dice and see what we get out of them. We're also going to break down some Bulls basketball. They've been making some fucking noise. Young team under Billy Donovan really starting to make things happen. Uh, and then obviously we got going to talk about some, some darker topics. We got, uh, you know, you Darvish uh, uh, leaving the Cubs and we have uh, Kyle Schwarber signing, uh, you know, deals with, with other national league teams. And we're going to talk a little bit about that and maybe even uh, a little bit of excitement for the South side. Uh, some, some, uh, some, some noise being made in that, that department as well. And then we're going to break down a little bit of Blackhawks hockey before we talk about our, uh, our 2020 top three moments in sports. So, I guess let's let's get right fucking into it, boys. We got the Bears and Saints game tomorrow. Um, I, I I mean, first off, I I want to ask you guys how do how do you feel going into this? Because you know we got a team uh, in the Bears who has proven to us that they they can win games. I mean, we we were five and one at one point. Uh, you know, this team is eight and eight. It's a confusing season. You you have a, a tale of two quarterbacks. You you started running the ball with a an MVP caliber uh running back and David Montgomery really turning it on in week 6 uh is this team ready to take on a team like the Saints who has a dynamic offense followed by some of the, some of the best defensive linemen in the league
1: um you know what it's uh it's been a rough year it's been a weird year for the bears i think we had that hot start and then um but in my opinion i think it's because we played uh, teams that were lesser than us and then uh, we started getting a tough schedule and then we just started fucking blowing it and you know what I I don't think I'm gonna say this and I'll say so day I die Bears did not deserve to make the playoffs this year we I, I said if we beat the Packers in this last week then we will deserve it we can't just squeak by by the Cardinals losing I want to win this game the Cardinals ended up losing which was in our favor but we, didn't, we got killed. Not only did we lose, we got slaughtered in the fourth quarter by this, this Packers team. And it's just a testament to how bad this coaching staff is. I know a lot of people talk about our defense. Our defense is not as good as it used to be under Fangio. I am not a big fan of Pagano. I think he does that bendo break defense like Lovey did, but it doesn't work when you don't have a high-powered offense. It just doesn't, and we don't have that. And, I, I mean, it appalls me that is going to be back next year, which is what uh, the word is around NFL Network is that Nagy is going to be back next season. And I don't like that. I'm not a big fan of that. I just – I think this is a very poorly coached team with, uh, with the talent we have. I think we got some good skill position players. And, guys, I don't know about you, but the fact that Roquan Smith did not make the Pro Bowl or the All-Pro team also appalls a me fucking, because that guy – its
0: a fucking sham.
1: I know the guy, the guy's stats is outstanding this year. I think Roquan, this is the best year Roquan's had as a bear. And, um, you I mean, know,
0: go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. It it hurts it no, me. Fine.
1: It's fine. I'm going to say him being out for this playoff game against the Saints is going to hurt us. I, I don't think we're going to even be close in this game. I mean, as a true bears fan, I, I I'd like to be positive guys, but it's just, there's no room to be right now. We we squeaked by in the playoffs, and we're playing a very good team in the Saints, and we're missing our best defensive player this year, in my opinion. And I just don't think we're going to win this game, and I think there's got to be a lot of changes made in this offseason.
0: I mean, absolutely. I mean, Roquan Smith virtually um, was the best linebacker in the game this year. Um, you know, you, you look you look what he was able to accomplish this year. Uh, with uh, you know a bend don't break defense like we talk about, Joe. I know I know that drives you just as insane as it drives me. Um, but you know, you, you know he, he, you know with four with four sacks this year and ninety eight solo tackles. I mean, this guy was all over the ball constantly this year. Um, not having him on Sunday against the the dynamic offense in Drew Brees and and what they're able to do with their kind of wildcat formation. Um, you know, with uh, Taysom Hill, I mean, this, this is going to be a struggle for the bears to kind of keep up. And I, I wonder if they can keep that pace uh, all the time. And, and, you know, it's not just us that, that, that are uh, so skeptical about winning this game. Um, but right now, like for the first time in any, like basically all season, all 12 local and national like analysts are saying that this is, this is like a unanimous pick. Like there's no doubt that the bears will lose against the saints tomorrow in their opinion. And these are guys who have been around the game for longer than we have. Uh, these are guys that um, really understand uh, what's going on out there. Some players, some guys that just, you know, uh, absolutely adore the game. Um, but I mean, I mean, Glennie, you know, you got a team uh, in Nora, New Orleans, um quarterbacked by one of the greatest ever um and and you have this lack of confidence not only did you get beat by your your division rival last week by you know three scores but you you kind of have this team that just can't seem to fucking put it together on any given sunday is is this team gonna shock the world today kind of or tomorrow kind of like the uh the rams kind of went out there and shocked the world uh, against seattle i mean is this and even even if they do make it past this round, I mean you're going to you're going to see the winner of Tampa in Washington, uh, which you know the Bears had success against Tampa this year. Um I mean what, what what's your thoughts on this, Glenn? Uh,
2: they can't uh put a full game together. I mean there's if the offense is working, the defense isn't working. If the defense is working, the offense isn't working. And with huge hits uh, to Rokhan Smith in the, on that defense, who's been, you know, all over the field, like you guys said. I mean, dropping back into coverage, rushing the quarterback. I mean, uh, uh, stopping it on the run. I mean, he's been doing it all. Another hit is Darnell Mooney, who has been – who I think is – Absolute fucking stud. I mean, beating people off the line, making guys like Jalen Ramsey sit there looking around for him when he's sitting there beating them ten yards off the line to a you know not being able to be seen by a uh, Mitch Trubinsky. I think it was at the time who was quarterback. But I mean, <clears throat> either way, it's going to be a one-sided game. uh it Darnell Mooney honestly has been a, a huge playmaker for us and. Lacking that playmaking ability on the offensive side, which is with an offense that already is lacking in general, uh, other than David Montgomery, who's finally getting an offensive line, getting him in a push at the line. And we're finally able to see what that kid could do, which we've been saying all year that, you know, that we need to run through, uh, David Montgomery and get that kid going. He's finally gotten going and it's great to see. I mean, it was scary. Uh, his little leg injury, it almost looked like it hyper extended last week. And I took a breath like, Oh geez, here we go. You know, like for what the fuck. I said
0: that was the end. That yeah. Was the end. I honestly, I, I really honestly thought
2: it was, but, uh, honestly it, it's it's going to be a blowout game it's funny enough that we got the nickelodeon game because it's going to be pretty much a joke like that <laughs> how, how SpongeBob's going to be sitting there talking shit about the bears and his fucking How
0: about it, that
2: yeah the i most, mean it most, just most, seems so fitting at the end of the season i mean like you so said fitting. joe we do not deserve to be here we absolutely do not and it's I, gonna it's, be an evident of that when we get fucking beat by three fucking scores plus uh, so
0: I'm, I'm 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 not here here's the thing boys as, as much as I've been wrong about the Bears all year, and maybe, maybe again, I'll just look like an asshole tomorrow, but I don't think this game is going to be a bad game. I think it's going to be a close game, because it just seems like everything about this game is, is just so fucked up that I think that the ge- game's just going to be fucked up. We all expect it to be a, a three-score blowout, and I just I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be won by a fucking field goal. I think it's, they're going to get our hopes up all the way through the fourth quarter. And then just drop. Like, you know, our hearts are going to drop. We're going to have to fucking eat shit once, you know, Will Lutz hits a – because Will Lutz, I think, was three for, like, six in his last uh, – or three for seven in his last seven kicks, something like that. He'll come out on Sunday and just have a fucking, like, 60-yarder to win it. Like, that's how it's going to happen because us Bear fans want to fucking get all the way to the end and have all this hope. Like, like today, I, I was telling people uh, that I talked to, there's no way the Bears win tomorrow. But tomorrow at, you know, what, what time they play? Noon tomorrow? Is it 3.30 now? 3.30? Well, at 3.30, I'll have all the hope in the world as soon as the ball's kicked in the air in the Superdome. I mean, and that's just who I am as a Bears fan. I think we all have that, that, that just, you know, lack of uh, a reality as soon as the ball's kicked in the air on kickoff. And we're just like, maybe it can happen. And then we're either let down or we're not. But... I I know that this, this game is going to be a blowout unless the defense reverts back to how they were in the in the first half of the season. Uh when the Bears were five and one, uh, you know, they fucking only allowed nine touchdowns in their first six games. These last six games, the they've let up 21 touchdowns. I mean, you just know the difference is there. So I don't know whether that's just uh, a, a mental thing, uh, a, a lack of preparation, being tired, but that big of a jump scares the fuck out of me and that just means that either something's falling apart or we don't have the right personnel out there I I don't know what that is but if they can revert back to those first six games that they put together we will win this fucking game and I that's just a I, I think that's a fucking guarantee I think if this defense goes out there and does what they did in the first half of the season which I don't know how they revert back and do that but if they Do we know if Jalen Johnson
2: is playing yet? Is it is he? I, I know that's been a huge loss. The last, I want to say with three, four games he's been out, and that's our secondary has not been looking as uh, sub or as great as it's been. And it seems like since that was at week nine, ten against the Packers, eight against the Packers, that defense has just been on a downhill slope and can't stop rolling down it.
0: Well, Roquan Smith, Mooney, and Jalen Johnson were all uh, on, on the non-practice list. They were very limited on Thursday. Right. Uh, as far as what we're going to hear now, um, I, I think it's going to be a, a game-time decision. I'm sure they're going to have to walk them out there tomorrow. I know the other thing that I had to, to, to fucking bring up, just because we're all Golden Domers, is the fact that they actually had Teo uh, pick up his bags and, and pack them, and, and he's on the flight to the Superdome. To see see Monte Teo dress up for the Bears and play linebacker in this game tomorrow is probably the highlight of the game for me. I think no matter what happens tomorrow, um, I think that's the one takeaway I'll probably have from this game, unfortunately. And I'm hoping that's a better game than what we expect. Um, but, But all in all, I I am realistic at this moment, but like I said, at 3:30 tomorrow, I'm gonna be a anything can happen type, you know, type guy. So I'm hoping though that the Bears can somehow bring that same energy they brought in the first six games of the season, and and possibly shock the world, beat a, a good Saints team to move on to a uh, to a game against uh, either you know a young young, I, I don't even know how they made the playoffs, Washington team or a Tom Brady led. Buccaneers team. Um, why, why don't we why don't we move on to uh, the Bulls? Because I because I think that's where we're gonna have a little bit more to talk about. I don't know if you guys have been watching these games. I don't know if you listeners out there are still interested in the Bulls. But right now, the Chicago Bulls are hungry, and I haven't seen a hungry Bulls team since the Derrick Rose days. And even then, this team seems different in the fact that there isn't uh, one dominating performer on the court every night. It seems like we're getting dominating performances from three or four different guys on the team every night, which is really refreshing to see this team only lost by two points last night to the, to the, you know, last year's champions in the Lakers, LeBron and the Lakers, right? If you would have asked me if that game would have been close a year ago with what we had coaching this team and in the kind of personnel we had on the floor every night, I would have told you we lost by 20, but last night, kind of I I know we lost but it it just it made me realize wow this Bulls team is really actually growing uh the offense we're running actually looks like a a a well-oiled machine you've got Kobe White starting every night and that was a a big issue we had last year with with this Bulls team Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. seems to be coming out of his shell uh, averaging double doubles like every night and you've got a guy in Zach Levine who's been really hitting some important baskets late in games. Unfortunately, he didn't hit the big one last night, but this guy has really stepped up. I, I, I just wanted to know where your guys' heads are at as far as, as Bulls basketball this year. I, I don't know how much of uh, the games you guys have caught this year. Uh, it's It's been a weird year. They kind of had a quick turnaround, but uh, it seems like the Bulls uh, have a little bit of a uh, magic in there, and I think this team's def- – I think I'll, – I'll say it now – on January 9th of 2021. I think this team's a playoff team. I think this team's going to squeak in. I don't think they're, they're ready yet to win the big, the big fucking show, but I think this team is ready to start making the move and, and get some of that experience in the playoffs.
1: I caught a couple of games with the Bulls. Uh, I watched that first game against the Hawks, which was fucking embarrassing. Um, Brian, I'm... Listen... I think you're a dreamer, buddy. Uh, <laughs> so I love Billy Donovan. I think he's a fantastic coach, and he's the reason why I – so all you listeners out there, I don't typically watch the NBA because I'm not a big fan of it. But uh, I, I do like Big uh, Billy Donovan because I was a big college basketball fan, and he coached the Florida Gators when Joe Keem was there, which I was a big fan of. And um, I think that's the biggest improvement they made. I don't think the Bulls have any talent whatsoever besides Kobe White. Um, and Wendell Carter, I don't mind, Uh, but I'm not a guy. A Lori marketing guy. I know a lot of people like Zach. Levine, I, don't not... I don't think you've been watching yeah.
0: Big Dog. I oh, don't think you've been watching Big Dog. Hope. I
1: gotta I, disagree I just, with
0: you,
1: Joe. I know, I know, you guys will, but I just I don't see it. At the end of the day, we're still four and six. We have a losing record. I know there's a lot of basketball left to play. I I don't think we will be a playoff team. I think they have a lot of work to do personnel wise. But I do like going down. It.
0: That's I fair. Do, I, do. I I think being a playoff team is, is, is definitely it's definitely wishful thinking, but I definitely think this team has the ability to to squeak in as one of those teams. Not to yeah, mention half I, the fucking league makes the playoffs. I,
1: I do I do like Billy Donovan. I think he will help this team a lot. I, I think he needs like a, a year or two more to get the players he wants on his team. I, I, I like I said, I like Kobe White. I'm a big fan of him and I like Wendell Carter. I think this Patrick Williams pick was I I want to see him a little more, but I think it was kind of a risky pick because he was a sixth man in college. So I kind of – with a high pick like that, I didn't know we were going to select a sixth man, and I think it's kind of risky. So far, I don't think he's
0: too bad, but we'll see. Um, Who else is a sixth man off the bench in college? Steph Curry. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm saying. I think we might have made the first pick in the last four or five years that made sense to me. I don't know if you watch this kid play. He plays physical. He plays great defense. He shoots well. And, and he handles the ball pretty nice for a big cat. So I'm just saying, I think Patrick Williams is a great pick. I'll say that right that, now. That,
1: that's, that's great. But I, I, I still, like I said, Brian, I, I still need to see more of him to, to make that decision. Um, but, you know, I, I, there, so, guys, I'm a, I am an alma mater of University of Illinois. And I, I love their basketball team in this past two years. I think if the Bulls were to make a good pick, I think the Bulls will still have a losing record this year, and we might have a decent pick next year. And if we do, I want the Bulls to pick up Io DeSumo from Illinois. I do like that guy. I think he's got a lot of potential, a lot of fire, and I, I like think uh, the bulls could the Bulls could use another guard. DeSumo is a six foot five guard. Uh, he could he could possibly play small forward. Um, so I think that would be a good pick. And you know, as long as we have Billy Donovan, I think the Bulls have potential in the future. I just don't think it's this year.
0: Let's, let's talk a little bit about the guard situation we have currently, Joe. So we have Kobe White, right? Kobe White in 10 games is averaging 18 points a game. With four, uh, you know, like with, with about five rebounds a game. I, I mean, this, this kid finally is coming out of his shell because he doesn't have a coach Sitting him on the bench when I I, I don't know I this was the no brainer to me to get him out on the court. This guy was picked as high as he was because he was a stud when he was out at North Carolina doing what he was doing. Right to be able to see this kid really go and play without having to worry. I mean he's a shooter, right? Fucking he has no conscience. He's going to shoot. And now that we're letting him go ahead and and, and go, you know, eleven for for sixteen at the at the at the fucking perimeter. I mean, he is is really starting to really become a star in this league. And I think he's going to continue to grow as a player. Uh, I think playing uh, with Zach Levine gives him a little bit more opportunity to kind of uh, find spots on the perimeter because people can't just catch up to this kid. Zach Levine's the other person I wanted to talk about a little bit. I don't know if you guys have really been watching him this year, but for whatever reason, he really has been the most athletic person I've seen in professional basketball this year athletic not most talented i still think there's room to grow but he is just blowing by defenders all fucking year no one can keep up with this kid and it's giving opportunities to guys like otto porter sitting on the perimeter shooting fucking threes or you know guys like kobe white popping out off of screens and being able to knock down 10 foot jumpers plenty i mean i know you've been watching a little bit of bulls basketball this year i mean Uh, You know, Laurie Markinen not being out there, I think, is hurting us a little bit. I think when he does eventually make his way back out of the court, I think this team really has a chance to keep growing and and find themselves in a playoff position. I'm actually
2: uh, pretty excited for Bulls basketball uh, going forward. Uh, I have been watching a little bit of Bulls basketball, which is very weird because I have not been a fan of the NBA or Bulls basketball since the Rose era um and probably about 2000 I would say 13 would be the time where I just completely stop watching basketball for your know, reasons but either way I love what the Bulls are doing Billy Donovan uh people these kids want to play for them and I say kids because they ha- they have the youngest starting five I want to say in the NBA if not one of these star- youngest starting fives and to see these kids go out and it's compete them, for sure
0: with the
2: best of the best in uh the Lakers and to lose by two points on a, a, a last minute shot that we had a chance to win a game or potentially win a game. I mean, that's had, said something about this young team. And I mean, we haven't really talked in a while about Bulls basketball, but I mean, Patrick Williams at the draft, I'm going to say it. I was a fucking doubter. Did a little Absolutely. homework about it, did a little homework on it. And I sitting there and seeing the praises he's getting from guys like our coaches, like fucking Greg Popovich, And sitting there saying that he was looking to trade up for a guy like Patrick Williams said enough for me. And to see how everybody coaches, his uh, teammates praise him and his work ethic and to see what he's doing. I love it. I, I, I was sitting there at draft day watching. I'm like, Patrick Williams, sixth man of the year. Are you fucking kidding me? At four? But here, you know what? Oh. I love it now. I, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Watching him the last couple of days uh, games. I mean, the physicality you were talking about, pushing on LeBron. I mean, granted, how, how, okay, that's what I was just about to a play. little bit.
0: Yeah, we gotta talk about that. Yesterday, they we play the Lakers, right? And I'm thinking they're going to have to throw a guy with, you know, a little bit of experience. Maybe Thaddeus Young gets up on LeBron, you know, being a, being the veteran, you know, or maybe they maybe they somehow – I don't think Levine's a great defender, but you you move a guy up like Levine to kind of just play positional defense and kind of run a zone. Uh, they put Patrick Williams one-on-one with this guy. And he did a pretty fucking awesome job holding LeBron to, I, I think, his normal 22 points or whatever he scored. Uh, he put a 28, I think he was. 28. Yeah, but I'm saying, but still, though, I mean, I mean, that's a, that's a that's damn a, that's a good job from a rookie. from yeah. a rookie. Uh, and, and it's just like, you know, I was really, really surprised to see Donovan th- kind of throw him to the wolves last night. I was like, that is nothing but good experience for him. I mean, not only that. I mean, uh, a few games before,
2: he was sitting there guarding Giannis, who, in my <laughs> opinion, is the best player in the NBA.
0: He's I mean, the best player.
2: Yeah. I, I, that kid is amazing. The Greek freak, and they, absolutely, he's a fucking freak of nature, and that kid could play ball.
0: So, and the other thing I didn't want to pass up was the fact that we went on a West Coast road trip and beat uh, both uh, a, a pretty damn good Mavericks team with one of the best players in, in the game and Luka Doncic. And then you go to uh, Portland and you take a game from Portland in which they were shooting 98% from the fucking free throw, or from the three-point line, it felt like through a quarter and a half, uh, between CJ McCollum and, and fucking uh, Damian Lillard. I mean, this was a nutty game. I don't know if you guys caught the Portland game, but it seemed like every shot they were taking from the perimeter went in. And the Bulls just kept fighting back, fighting back, fighting back, and it was a very close game until, uh, you know, Zach Levine hit a 60-foot jumper, uh, you know, for for a three-point shot. But this Bulls team is finally bringing people – you know, I've noticed the excitement around this team again. It feels like I haven't been this excited – for Bulls basketball since the Scott Skiles era with fucking uh, Andres Nocioni. I'm like, that's, and that was bad, oh. bad Bulls teams, right? But it was good basketball that, that made you want to watch it. Kirk Heinrich basketball. It made you want to watch it because they were all going so fucking hard. It was hard-nosed, effort-filled basketball. And I finally feel like we're moving towards it again. You got young kids that are hungry to fucking win. And I think that's what I've been looking for for the last five, six years. And I haven't Absolutely. seen it. They, they could I'm, be a that Tom, I'm a that Tom sweet. Thibodeau guy. Tom Thibodeau. Joe, he's a Tom Thibodeau guy. That's all he said. I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big Tom Thibodeau
1: guy because he uh, emphasized defense, which I think the NBA is lacking this year. Play fucking defense prima Donnas. That's all I got to say.
2: I agree with you 100%, Joe. It's the, mo- it's the most frustrating thing about watching basketball now. I mean, it's yep. just a bad pickup game it is really it's a bad <laughs> pickup game there's no structure there's no plays being run and if it is it's just like hey just keep running in circles hey just set a screen and that make is it look like you're lost look that like is my it was that so is bad.
0: yeah that is my I mean, only complaint about this team though and this offense that we're running how many three-point shots do we need to develop for wendell carter jr ever again why why do we need to have him shooting on the perimeter he is a true center
2: throwing patrick williams out there that, see that video he put up about hitting? what was it six or seven in a row and the yep. everyone going nuts on the sidelines Yeah, I mean, stretching out his range early I mean it, he's going to be an exciting player to watch moving forward and so is his Bulls team. and playing in the east you, I mean you could be a, a, a or below average team but below 500 team and still make it in the playoff especially with the, the expanded playoffs right now so I could see him being that one of those teams and you know what maybe making a little fucking push and maybe using their uh, young legs to work and be able to run on some of these uh, older rundown teams, maybe.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I think, I think the excitement this year is I I guess that's, that's what I really wanted to bring up on the podcast today is just the excitement is there. And I don't think it's like a a unreasonable excitement from the fans because we're finally kind of being serviced. The things we've been asking for, Uh, you know uh, real draft picks that we keep around and we develop that kind of thing I think that's starting to happen and I I really really like um, I really like this coaching staff and what it's so far accomplishing I think uh, it's kind of uh, you know um, you know what have you done for me lately Uh, in all sports it's like that but for our Bulls it's been a Really, really tough journey with some of these teams and some of these coaches we've had in the last few years. So to kind of see things uh, start to shape up, and the fact that we're making, uh, you know, uh, West Coast uh, juggernauts like the Lakers, uh, you know, play a really tough game through four quarters—that excites me. Um, true growth from young players. So let's let's we're beating a dead horse now. Let's move on to uh, the the Cubs shit. Which, Glenny, if 2020 was a dumpster fire. For 2021, I, I I think the Cubs are starting a a new fucking shit show. Oh, yeah. We got first first thing I got to ask you: How in the fuck doesn't Tom Ricketts, after the 2016 World Series with three or four young core pieces in his you know in his grasp, not go that we should lock these guys up for fucking multi year deals for ni- if, you know for nice contracts? I'm not talking like you know. Bryce Harper deals where you're going to pay him till he's 60 but you know there's got to be some kind of of a thought going through Cub fans heads about the management of this money that was given that was kind of had and lost from 2016 till now this team was the the team of the 2010s arguably I mean this team was that good I mean it's probably them or the Giants at this point but you look at what they were able to accomplish with these kids and, and basically everything in the system kind of worked. Uh, Your, your rookies came up and they were stars. Uh, You had free agents having career years. This Cubs team had everything going for it. And now it seems like everything's fucking unraveling at a stellar uh, fast pace. You're going to lose Darvish uh, in a trade to the Padres for, Uh, honestly a a very average right-handed pitcher and and a few prospects that may pan out to be something, but not even in their top 10. Um, You look at Kyle Schwarber signing to the nationals for, for $10 million. I just want to know what you think about those two things happening and, and the lack of servicing of, of fans and the lack of servicing the city by not signing a guy like Kyle Schwarber, who did all that he could for you in that 2016 World Series, has been a solid player since that year. Where's the money? Why Why wasn't this guy offered a $7 million contract? Even if you're going to give him a team-friendly deal, why wasn't this man offered a 7 or $8 million contract for a year of play?
2: I, I wish I could tell you. I know I've... express my displeasure in that already that's when I knew the downfall was on its way and you you don't have you know seven eight mil to pony up for a guy like Kyle Schwarber who you drafted who you or that brought up that guys love to be around that put a ball on top of a fucking uh scoreboard in right field who had made huge plays in uh 2015-2016 fucking playoff runs I mean he he's a, a a huge name in Chicago sports. I love Kyle Schwarber. Uh, I wish him everything the best uh, going on to the nationals. And I hope he has a fucking career year and I hope he gets signed to a huge fucking deal. And I mean, just as a fuck you to the fucking Cubs, I am so fucking pissed off. Uh, Tom Ricketts, fuck you. You're a fucking cocksucker build up a fucking amusement park of Wrigley Field instead of going for more fucking World Series and winning fucking rings. I'm pissed off. And the fact that you blatantly lied to every single Cub fan out there by sitting there saying, you know, soft rebuild. You know, it's not... Just blatantly lying to us, to our faces, and then going off and giving away you, Darvish, for a broken fucking... Uh, fuck, I don't know. Broken fucking uh, wit- water dispenser way- and yeah. fucking, you know, a bag of fucking... Uh, broken <laughs> I don't know.
0: I'm so pissed so, off. Right so now. so I'm sorry. If you look if you look at the deal, I, I've looked at this deal multiple times. I don't think the Cubs got completely fucking fleeced like I did originally. When I looked at this trade I go There there
2: eighteen year old fucking kids that could pan out. You know they're, just, they're, they're, like, they're, we're like on a five year plan right now. I know, right I, now our five year plan is like in Big Daddy and that's don't die. And right now we are dying as a fucking <laughs> franchise. Yeah. We are the modern day fucking Baltimore fucking Orioles, you know? Yeah. I mean, we are going to be fucking dog shit. I, it's it's going to be frustrating to watch again. And the fact that they, they couldn't even... you Darvish found out over social media. That's how much they are fucking sitting there pissing on these fucking players. People are fucking finding out over social media. This guy had no idea this was fucking coming. And he loves Chicago and expressed his love towards Chicago with multiple... Uh, since he's been here... uh, uh Multiple the last few years, you know, and it just, the yeah. fact that he finds out like that, it's just, it's heartbreaking to see. And that this is how the, you know, the world works now. You know, you find out things through sh- social media, whether they're fake or fucking not. And it's just, it's fucking unbelievable the fact that this is happening now. And I, I i don't know as a Cub fan, who's happy what what's with what's going on. And I hope, stand as one, because I mean, I, I send a message to the Ricketts family as a fuck you. And I just, I'm, I'm pissed off as a fan because we're not on a, you know, a two year, three year kind of rebuilds where, you know, we could sign some free agents possibly and acquire some money. We're on like that five to 10 year fucking rebuild. <laughs> we're yep. back in fucking 2007, 2006. when we're fucking losing 90. But, 100 but,
0: okay. Okay. Before both, but I'm going to have you pump your brakes. This is the way I took this trade. No, you're not wrong. I I mean, there's it's, it's, it's reasonable, reasonable to be upset. So, this this team is obviously not a, a, a small market team. This is a team that uh consistently will will carry sixty thousand fans and you know, I don't know what the capacity is at Wrigley, but it's the fans the fans will be at in the stands every summer, every year, no matter who you have out there. And I think they know this and they've always known this. And unfortunately, after the 2016 World Series, I think they were gonna ride the wave and try to you know invest in the fan experience in order to continually make money. It was all about the almighty dollar. So now you, you get a pandemic that you can never, you know, you can never account for uh, something like this. Right. And I, I think it just bit him straight in the ass. But the thing that I don't understand is when you move a guy like Darvish and you're saving the 59 million, right. For this upcoming year, uh, you know, and, and you're not going to have to pay this guy throughout the, whatever, the, the rest of his six year contract that he signed. Uh, And the, in you know, the, the Padres are going to, you know, uh, you know, retain whatever's left of that, um, that contract. And I just have trouble with this, right? Cub fans have constantly told me how happy they are to have been uh, managed and owned by, by the Ricketts family and how great they've serviced the fan base, how great, Uh, going to Wrigley Field is now and how exciting the team has been for the last five, six years, seven years, whatever you want to say. I just don't understand how people can reasonably not go, hmm. After they pulled the stunt with Markey Network, right? And they told fans that they would have to have pay-per-view services in order to watch their favorite team play. that They've been watching for free on public television for the last 70 years, 60 years. How do people not go and turn their backs on these guys and continue to accept the behavior that that has basically caused them to go into another rebuild? And it's the reason why Theo Epstein fucking tucked his tail and ran too because there's nothing to be saved there. They know there there is more to this story, and I'm sure it will all come out eventually, but this team is in major financial trouble. The fact that they didn't go after a guy like Kyle Schwarber to just bring him back as a – you know, a cheap, uh, uh, even if it was a rental for another year. Um, uh, it's ridiculous to me, um, that that's, that that's the case. And now they're shopping around Chris Bryant and I think Chris Bryant will end up a Met by the end of the month, uh, with, uh, with how things are shaping up and it, it seems like, uh, the new owner in the Mets organization is fucking going to spend every dime he has, which is a, is a new, uh, a new theory that I don't think a lot of these guys, um, uh, are willing to, to go and do. But the way I looked at this trade before I got in my low ramp there, the way I look at this trade is the Cubs didn't get completely fleeced. I think this is going to be a, a rebuild, of course, that of course this takes money off the books, but you retain a guy like Zach Davies, who I think is a solid pitcher, a right-handed pitcher with a pretty, um, a, a pretty, a pretty nice uh, array of pitches. Uh, he'll, he'll be able to pitch well in Wrigley. Uh, I, I think he's a guy that uh, w- will be able to to win games for you. As far as the prospects goes, I think the the Padres were just in the driver's seat. I, I you know they knew that this money was was money they needed to get off the books. They knew that uh, they wanted to get a guy like Darvish so they can continue to beef up that team that seems like a a, a possible World Series contender this year. But the most important thing the Padres knew was that they didn't have to give up anybody in their top 10 to go ahead and get a guy who's a top of the line starter, a Cy Young candidate. Uh, So I don't think the Cubs got fleeced, but I do think that this trade is obviously won by San Diego, but I don't think uh, the Cubs are nearly in as bad of a place when they lose Darvish as they're going to be when they end up having to lose. I think both Chris Bryant and uh, possibly a young guy like Nico Horner or Wilson Contreras. I I just, I don't think those guys stick around if they really do truly go into a rebuild like that. Um, And, and that's what I think uh, the the fan base is going to either have to. And this is what I, I, I actually suggest to the people out there that feel outraged, like yourself, Glenn, like the rest of the cup fans out there, don't go and buy into what they're trying to do right now. If you truly are upset about what this team is trying to accomplish or what they, they keep telling you lies or whatever it is, whatever kind of scam they're running out there with the marquee network and all that shit. Don't go out and subscribe. Don't fucking protest. Don't buy marking network. Don't go to the field every day. If you, if you guys are unhappy with what they're doing, don't show up for me. I was unhappy at one point with this white Sox organization and I stopped going to the game. I stopped going to the field every day. I, of course, I'm watching the game because I'm a masochist. I'm watching guys like Trace Thompson play right field every day. But when you see what a guy like Rick Hahn can do with an organization, and, and even a cheap owner like Jerry Reinsdorf was able to do, uh, building uh, a young core of uh, of guys and 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 sign them for multi-year deals, this team has nothing to to nowhere to go but up now, right? Because they signed guys to long, you know. Career deals, and, and even if Luis Robert isn't half the player that we thought, you know, this is this is uh, it's a great sign for them. Um, t- talking more about the White Sox, we got to talk a little bit about uh, these tweets being thrown around about Trevor Bauer, um, which is super exciting for us uh, in the White Sox organization. But uh, you know, you see Francisco Lindor get traded over to the New York Mets. and. You know, Carlos Carrasco and him are gonna probably have a really nice season, along with James McCann and a few other of these free agent pickups and trades and stuff like that. And you know, if Chris Bryant meets him, meets him over there in New York too, I think this Mets team is going to be a major juggernaut in the National League. Um, but you look at what Rachel Luba, uh, Trevor Bauer's agent, is tweeting afterwards—some uh, cryptic tweets about AL Central teams making a move. Uh, Joey, with Trevor Bauer this pitching rotation becomes completely elite in my opinion. Uh, and not to mention, you've got a guy like Michael Kopech probably going to start his, uh, his career, you know, this 2021 in Charlotte. If you bring him up, you've got a six man rotation that basically everyone in there throws near a hundred miles an hour with some nasty breaking stuff. I mean, where where do you think the White Sox are are, are going, you know, what do you, what, what do you think the offer is going to be on the table? And do you still think it's possible for Trevor Bauer to sign with this team for a pretty reasonable deal for a six-year deal, probably?
1: I think it's obvious that uh, his agent, uh, Rachel, wants him to go to a winning team or a team that has a huge chance of winning, becoming one of those big uh, franchise teams. Um, I think Bauer would – Definitely love to go to the South Side of Chicago. But uh, will the Sox make the offer is the real question. And I just don't see Jerry doing it. Um, I think Rick Hahn, I mean, hopefully, in my opinion, I think Rick Hahn would like to get the guy like that on the team. But, um, you know, I, I, I think Bauer on this rotation, I think that's it. I think the Sox take the American League, in my opinion. I think, I think the Sox don't just take the AL Central. They take the American League if they get Trevor Bauer. I think pitching is the most important thing in baseball. I mean, if you have great hitting, that's fantastic. But, you know, they can't win if they can't score. And if you have Lance Lynn, Lucas Chialito, Dallas Keuchel, and Trevor Bauer in a rotation, it doesn't matter who the fuck your fifth guy is. You could put Dylan Cease in the bullpen if all I care. It's just – it would be unstoppable. And um, I I think it would be very wise for the Sox to do that. But I, I do think the Sox are going elsewhere with their money. I think they're looking at Calumet getting Calumet back or trying to get Liam Hendricks on the
0: team. Um, I, I'm hearing I Brad Hand think... too, Joe. I'm hearing Brad yes. Hand.
1: Yes. I'm hearing Brad Hand too, which I wouldn't mind either. A nice left-handed closer. Um, but, you know, I would love Bauer, and I think he would love to go to the south side. I just don't think Jerry's going to put the money to get him. And that's my uh, final opinion on that.
0: Well, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm always the optimistic guy, right? Um, I, I i think that there's maybe there's a little bit of method to the madness i think um not initially jumping on a guy like george springer who was obviously a very touted um pick uh from i mean it was it was it was the thought for most baseball analysts in the country most writers they really thought that that was going to be where the money was spent on a uh, three or four year deal with a guy like george springer to you know, play right field. And they thought the White Sox would be in a better spot as long as they didn't have Nomar Mazzara striking out four times a game. So when they, when they kind of threw that out there, that was where my head went, especially with the AJ Hinch, uh, you know, uh, rumors on coming, you know, as a coach, I really thought that that was going to be where they spent the money. But, you know, as time went on, you're looking at, you know, a guy like Trevor Bauer, who's kind of you know, basking in the glory of not signing right now. I think he's getting a lot of what he wants right now, which is intention. And I think he wants uh, the ability to kind of market himself and continue this, you know, this new era of social media and athletes, uh, YouTube channels with athletes, things like that. Let me blog my life. Let me blog my decisions. It's kind of like the LeBron. I'm taking my talents to South Beach shit. You know, it's all, uh, it's all cut from the same cloth, but you look at a guy like Trevor Bauer last year. Uh, being able to do what he did 100 strikeouts in 60 games, you know, and and not to mention, you know, the guy, the guy had, you know, 11 games he started in and, you know, basically averaged 10 strikeouts a game Um, with a one seven, three ERA. He was easily the best pitcher in the national league. So you bring him back to the American league after having, you know, a couple of career years in Cleveland back in the same, you know, division, I, I think this guy can really do some damage. I, I'm really, really thinking that the White Sox can, can kind of swing a deal with Trevor Bauer here. I don't think that we're going to be able to lock him up for a very long time, but I think this could be one of those kind of Yasmani Grandal three- or four-year deals for some big cash. I think that they're, they're really considering doing that. Uh, I think they're trying to kind of line their ducks in a row here. I think you need a closer before you can go ahead and, and definitely sign this guy to a big deal. I think you need somebody to close the the, the back end of the bullpen. I think Derek Crochet, although being a guy that that could absolutely do that for you, I think they're eventually going to move him into that starting rotation. So, you know, I, I, I think, uh, I think this is something that we're going to continue to kind of talk about. I think this is going to be something that gets brought into February and March. I don't think that Trevor Bauer signs anywhere until the last possible second because of what I just said, I think, this guy's kind of milking it for the opportunity to continue to market himself. So, uh, I just, I thought the, the the tweet was very cryptic. And obviously it was something that, uh, you know, um, got us all excited. You know, I, Joey, you saw the tweet, right? I mean, from the get go. Um, so, you know, you know, she's, she's trying to kind of stir the pot, but I think that's kind of what this whole thing is right now. Um, you know she said lol that being said now is the perfect time for one of the <laughs> central teams to just say screw it and go for it and then she actually added the white Sox uh, organization and said uh right now be like with like a whole meme of uh you know talking about competition in the division and stuff like that so i don't know it's going to be exciting either way to see where um this team decides to go with that money. There is some money to be spent and we were promised it would be spent. So I hope it gets spent in the next few weeks here. So I don't have to keep talking about it. Let's talk uh, about the last segment, which is our top moments of 2020. We have three uh, of our most um, cherished moments of 2020, the most fucked up year in the history of years. Um, So I, I, I know it's hard boys to kind of pick and choose the, uh, most important moments of our 2020 as far as sports goes. But uh, Joe, why don't you start with your number three and give us a reason why uh, you picked that as your top – in your top three of uh, uh, your sport mo- sports moments in
1: 2020. Yeah, so um, I got two moments in the top three that are Chicago, but uh, I'm going to keep this number three outside of it. And it was that uh, Kyler Murray passed to uh, DeAndre Hopkins in the end of the Hail Mary. Uh, I thought that was one of the most special things I saw this year. Um, And I know a lot of people are saying, oh, what a throw by Murray, which, you know, he got it there. But you got to give 95% of the props to DeAndre Hopkins because that guy knows how to get up and get the ball. There's got to be more receivers like him in the league. I mean, you got to attack the ball at the highest point. That's exactly what he did with about four or five defenders around him. And he got it, carried it in scored a touchdown. They won a huge game for them. Uh, they didn't ultimately make the playoffs, which sucks. I, I do like the Cardinals team. But, um, you know, it helped the Bears. So. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I am a big DeAndre Hopkins fan. I do think he's the best receiver in the league, and I thought that play was spectacular.
0: So I, I'd go with that as number three. That was Joe's number three. Glenn, your number three for the top three moments of sports in 2020.
2: I went with um... – kind of like a more heartfelt one with uh was the picture that I saw of Ryan Newman walking out of the hospital with his two girls uh by his side uh, three days after a very, very sk- scary cr- uh, crash at the Daytona 500. Uh, for you uh, dogs out there that don't know, I'm a huge huge NASCAR fan and uh, watch it every single Saturday Sunday, whether it's Xfinity or Cup Series. So I'm a big big fan, but uh, watching that uh, last February, uh, very, very scary moment after leading in the last lap just gets absolutely flipped and kind of pinballs and ends in a fiery wreck and has no memory of it, you know, three days later uh, walked out with his girls three months later, he's back racing in the cup series. I mean, just great story. And, uh, just beautiful, beautiful moment that I, uh, really, really liked, uh, to to see.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, no, no, I mean, uh, and, and, and for you guys out there that want to hear more NASCAR stuff, let us know. Cause I know Glennie would love, love to lay into some, uh, some NASCAR knowledge. Oh, yeah. Um, but, um, my, my number three, I, I, you know what, guys, I really, I really struggled with this because I had a lot of moments. Ironically, in the worst fucking year of years, we had a lot of really, really great sports moments. So I, I took some time and I thought about it a lot. And I think my number three would have to be Luis Roberts' debut uh, against the Twins. I felt like we heard so much about this guy coming into this season. And, of course, the rookie has to fucking start his first year ever in the worst year uh, with everything going on as far as COVID and, and, and you know, the constant concern of, of, whether they were playing or not. I thought when he came up on the scene uh, against uh, Jose Barrios, I believe in his first at bat and, and got a base hit to left field. I just was like, okay, I'm sold. He's the next Mike Trout. You know, like, cause we, we kept, you know, everybody was putting him in the hall of fame preemptively, uh, pre-emptively and kind of uh, trying to, uh, build this guy before he had even played a single inning of Major League Baseball. And to kind of see him perform in the first game uh, really was exciting. Uh, I think that's my number three moment um, for 2020. Joe, your, your number two moment.
1: My number two moment was Jose Abreu finally getting MVP of the American League.
0: He um, fucking men
1: the, the guy deserves it. The guy's had the numbers in his whole career. And you know what? ladies and gentlemen watching sports all of you guys fans of these piece of shit fucking players because they they like to get out and tweet and they like to be flashy a lot around the camera and that's how you guys know them because they're funny um you know what fuck those guys jose abreu has always been a guy who's been to himself a team player and he's been doing a lot of good outside of baseball and he is exactly the type of person that deserves an award like this and it should happen to more people like him. And you know what? ESPN talked about him for three fucking minutes, which was disturbing. You, you need to talk more about guys like that. Why? Because he's not a piece of shit. Because he's a good guy. You can't talk about the guy. You know what? Fuck that. You guys should look up you know, to a guy like that.
0: The, the disrespect, you, you know how that goes, you It's, you know... The the smaller market teams, the White Sox, fit in that category. It's just never the same. But you talk about a guy like Jose Breu, 317, batting average, uh, uh, over a three in the war category, which is just unbelievable. 19 home runs in, in 60 RBIs in 60 games. Uh, one, of, one of the best seasons – and I, this isn't a quote from me. I know I've talked about this before. but Hank Aaron said it is one of the greatest seasons he's ever seen from an American League player. And that is pretty high praise coming from a guy who – is arguably one of the best uh, hitters in the game ever. Uh, Glennie, you're number two.
2: Uh, number two, I went with the combo of the Alec Mills and Lucas Chil- uh, Chilito, uh No, no hitters. Uh, no hitters. I mean, to have two no hitters in baseball, uh, both of them be in Chicago. I mean, it was just great uh, for the city at the time, you know. And uh, both of them at you know had you know great years or. You know, years that led to, uh, you know, first-round bumps in the playoffs, but playoff birds and NL and Central uh, – AL Central fucking uh, winning divisions. But, I mean, just to have that, I thought it was great. I know probably going to be in your guys' tops too, but just uh, that would uh, – that was my number two. Alec Mills and the Lucas Cholito, no knows. Glenny,
0: Glennie, I'm jumping on the, the, the train here at my number two. August 26, 2020 – A very special thing happened. The uh, Chicago White Sox not only shut out the Pirates that night, but Lucas Giolito threw a a, a no hitter. And uh, this is a guy that we saw uh, do it in AAA, I believe AAA, maybe Double A, but he was a you know he threw a no hitter as a minor leaguer, and we all knew the hype around him uh, coming from the Washington nationals and to kind of see him come into his own after the unbelievable season he had after having one of the worst seasons of professional baseball as a pitcher, uh, to see him do this stuff. It, it's just staggering. And, and, and you no, know, no doubt the Pittsburgh pirates team last year and probably for the next five years until they get new management is going to be a, a, a lost puppy. Um, but to kind of see a guy who had a, you know, 2018 campaign, uh, posting a six thirteen ERA and over the you know the thirty starts that he had. Um to see him go ahead and, and completely dominate somebody uh multiple times in that year was was absolutely fantastic. But seeing that game August 26, 2020 and seeing Jason Panetti go ahead and call that last out, it was easily my number two. Unfortunately it did not uh trump my number one pick. But Joey, I want to hear your number one pick before we get in the line.
1: My number one pick was, in fact, the no-hitter of Lucas Giolito. Um, I thought it was an uh, emotional game for uh, Giolito and uh, Jason Minetti. And uh, you know what? I thought, like Brian mentioned, you know, he comes from a 2018 season with uh, as one of the worst pitchers in the American League. And then um, he comes back uh, two years later in a pandemic-riddled season and just dominates the Pirates. And I know, I know the Pirates aren't that good of a team, but, you know what, any Major League Baseball team is a Major League Baseball team. And the fact you get a no-hitter is just – the odds are just insurmountable. And uh, the fact that he achieved that after having that struggle of 2018 is very special for him and for White Sox fans, and I think we got a future ace in our hands with this guy. And, um, you know, Jason Benetti calling the game. And as I said uh, in the previous podcast, you know, Steve Stone uh, was tearing up because uh, this Jason Benetti guy, I don't think there's any – any commentator that's as hard working as this guy, this guy works uh, college basketball, college football. He does, he does lacrosse for Syracuse for free. Um, you know, he's, he's just a guy who
0: loves he does sports. Too.
1: He loves too. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, he loves sports and you know, he's a very well-spoken guy. And, a hometown uh, a guy, guy too. A hometown guy for a guy with his uh, condition. You know, he, he overcame a lot of adversity. And the fact that he got to call a no hitter is uh fantastic. And you know what? I, I kind of teared up. Uh, you know, hearing him call it. So uh, very good for Benetti and Giolito. And uh, I think the White Sox have a good future in the hands of this guy.
0: I th- I think that might be I, – I, I would almost guarantee that that's uh, Jason Benetti's number one moment in 2020 as well. I think he had the time of his life being able to call that game. Glennie, your number one. I'm wondering if it's going to be similar to mine because I feel like we both kind of put those no-hitters on the back burner. I want to hear your number one.
2: I have uh, another little combo, which happened to be playing right now uh, on the Washington Redskins, which would be uh, Ron Rivera uh, coming back and uh, battling and beating cancer, and then more importantly well, not more importantly. Other, I mean, coming back and beating can, no. cancer is not—you know—nothing to be put. But Alex, that story of Alex Smith seems to—I mean, it just I, I'm in awe of it. I, the the fact that I mean, granted, he's you know out tonight. But the story, the the battle back, the almost losing his leg to almost losing his life to the 17 plus surgeries. I mean, to be able to work back to be informed to play in an NFL game to me is just remarkable. And I think that is the greatest thing and the greatest story of 2020 so far.
0: So my my number one. Um, is uh, I, I really, really thought about this, boys. Like I said, I, I had a lot of moments in 2020 that I thought were memorable enough to at least speak about um, as far as sports goes. Um, and my my number one goes a little bit deeper uh, than just sports in general, but I I, I am genuinely um, not only impressed, but I, I think – the world for somehow coming together and being able to bring us sports. I think that was my number one moment was the fact that we were able to somehow put together both a professional basketball or uh, both everything, uh, everything, uh, a professional basketball season, a professional hockey season, a professional baseball season, and a professional football season during one of the scariest times in American history, in recent American history with 372 deaths, To this day, COVID-19 wreaked havoc on many lives in this country, and the fact that we were able to come together and be able to sit down and watch a game in the middle of June and July during one of the hardest times, it was really, really, really something that I think absolutely trumped all my other other picks. I I thought about it long and hard, and to be able to go ahead and have these kinds of moments, and the fact that we had the ability – in in this great country of ours to have uh the opportunity to talk sports and be able to bring a podcast like this to you guys in 2020 that was my number one being able to be a part of dollar dog sundays every sunday during this time has been my number one moment of 2020 and um i I continue i hope we can continue to do these kinds of things i want to absolutely uh, make more of more out of this i i you know we thank you guys every week for listening to us giving us the time of day uh to listen to three guys three washed up guys talk about sports every week uh and it, it really makes a difference uh to, to hear you guys are enjoying this kind of stuff um and we're going to continue pumping it out and we're going to do a lot of exciting things in 2021. We've got some plans. We've got some, uh, some events possibly in the near future that we're going to be putting together so we can, uh, both get to see you guys, uh, out, out in public, uh, maybe even get a few beers, uh, depending on how potent this, uh, vaccinated vaccine is, but, uh, we're really looking forward to 2021 and, and we can't wait to share it with you guys. Um, Guys, I, I'm. I'm gonna have you guys make a few uh, ending comments here, and then I'm gonna fucking wrap this thing up because this has been uh, a pretty long episode here.
1: I just want to say uh, thank God for sports. Thank God for Chicago sports. Uh, Chicago's the greatest city in the world. Uh, White Sox made playoffs. Cubs made playoffs. Bears made playoffs. I know it was a squeak by, but you know we got a pretty good uh, Chicago sports going on here. So, uh, and Notre Dame also made the final four. So. You know, it's been a pretty good year uh despite the pandemic, so we you can't help but love sports. So we we love bringing it to you too.
2: I mean, absolutely well said by both of you Brian, that was brilliant, brilliant number one. I mean, couldn't have said it better. I mean, that was fantastic. Uh I mean, you said great too Joe. I mean, the success in uh Chicago sports this year was great. De- uh despite, you know, 2020 being what it was and you know, thank God we are in 2021 and, you know, hopefully there's nothing but, you know, rainbows and butterflies ahead of us. And uh, the fact that we were able to sit here and come and bring you guys sports every single uh, Sunday, Saturday, sometimes during the week, you know, I mean, this is – uh A lot of fun and I'm very very uh, thankful to be able to do this with you guys and it's just it's a blast doing it and it's I can't wait to see what uh, the sports of 2021 has in store for us and can't wait to come back next week and do another show with you guys
0: yeah we're gonna we're gonna fucking we're gonna do a lot of fun things in 2021 I've I've already got some things that I gotta even fill the boys in on you guys are gonna be excited about some of the things we're gonna be bringing in 2021 Uh, but as always we want to ask you guys to follow us On Twitter and Instagram at Dollar Dog Sundays. Subscribe anywhere you get podcasts. Leave us a review. Let us know what you want to hear us discuss every week. And as fucking always, another day, another Dollar Dog Sunday.